from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome in on a Friday, a jam-packed Friday. You know, some people say that. We really mean it. We can't wait to get going here until 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll have you covered with some... Uh, Masters talk, Tiger Woods talk. Now do we turn our attention to making the cut? We'll fit some football in, even though world of football is a bit quiet here this weekend, even on a Friday. But uh, we will talk some pigskin, as we always do, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. How about oh, UFC with the UFC 273 in Jacksonville tomorrow night in a big card. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Casey and Austin caught up with him. And so we'll have that conversation coming up at 4.30. Dana White joins us at 3.30. Big baseball and softball weekend in the area, if you like that. River City Rumble time, and uh, that means JU and UNF. And so both are playing each other in those sports. In baseball, we'll have Tim Parenton, the head coach of the UNF Ospreys, and Chris Hayes will join us for the JU Dolphins. So that is on the way. Stuart Weber is out in the NASCAR race this weekend, kind of for fun, but he'll, he'll do a little work too. So uh, we have a whole lot of different sports. I want you to count the sports we covered today. That's what I want you to do because there's baseball as well in the big leagues as the uh, well Red Sox and Yankees, I think, are tied halfway through that game. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. We had a little senior day out here at Creekside High School. You know they do senior day very early now. The pandemic scared everyone because we couldn't celebrate the seniors mm. when that season got cut short. So they do senior day with like 10 games still remaining. Um, so that's what we got going on out here in a windy day here, Austin. A windy day in Jacksonville. A windy day in Augusta, Georgia. Things are about to change. Now will Tiger Woods make the cut? becomes the new question. Well, and then this is the big story, obviously. Yesterday, it was all about Augusta, and I guess it has hills there. And now when you couple that hill with the wind, what is that going to look like for these professional golfers, especially Tiger Woods, who, who may be hampering that leg injury a little bit? If you mix the hills with the wind, um, it could be tough sledding here for Tiger Woods. Yeah, it could be tough sledding. That's very good analysis, by the way. The lead has dropped to three under par uh, at, uh, the, at Augusta, which means also the cut line should probably change if you're looking at the cut right now it's projected three over that could really move uh later this afternoon kepka speed uh guys like zach johnson or uh, victor hovland by the way uh xander shoffley those are all guys that uh, could miss the cut bryson dechambeau austin's pick this week as well so uh there's some guys just not playing good golf charles Schwartzel, he is in the clubhouse three under will at least be the lead sun jm is tied for the lead. He's also in the clubhouse after 36. So uh, that's the situation. I mean, it is really windy, and you're going to feel some of it, I think, uh, throughout the day, unless I just jump in the vehicle. What's going on with all this wind? It won't affect the UFC fights, Austin Lane. Weigh-ins are today, and uh, news conferences are done. Dana White joins us. What's the hot topic going on uh, in the UFC outside of uh, they're coming to Jacksonville tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we talk about the hot topic of the UFC. You're talking about the, you know, the, the two title fights here, and surprisingly, both title fights, um, you know, in ter terms of the spread, it's it's very spread out here because you have Alexander Volkanovski, the defending champion. I think last time I checked, Casey, he was minus 550, if I'm not mistaken, taking on the Korean Zombie. Uh, they call him the Korean Zombie for a reason because the dude simply can take as much damage as possible um, and not flinch, right? So he's almost like he's like the un 
undead. He's the zombie, as they call him. And then we got um, in the co-main event, Aljamain Sterling, who, to be fair, was getting a little dominated by Peter Young the last time they fought. Aljamain Sterling gets kneed in the head. He ends up winning the belt, much to the chagrin of a lot of MMA fight fans out there. I feel like Aljamain has done a great job of embracing kind of that heel role. And now you have a guy in Peter Young who is um, looking to get, you know, revenge, if you will, and try to get his belt back from... Uh, it was a great call in terms of he need him in the face. It was an illegal knee on the ground. But obviously the way it went down, Sterling was losing that first fight. And now uh, Peter Young's trying to get some revenge on him. All right, so USC 273. Uh, we will be there, by the way, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, myself. First time I've been to the fights. I uh, haven't got out there to the other ones. But I will uh, look forward to that coming up uh, tomorrow night. And, again, we have plenty of conversation about USC. Nobody's going to do it better in Jacksonville uh, well, than Austin Lane. I won't include myself in it, but then <laughs> Austin Lane and Casey Kurtz, by the way. Uh, but nobody uh, will do it better if you like the USC. So we'll continue uh, to, to discuss that as well. Uh, Major League Baseball opening day. Uh, Red Sox have taken the lead 5-4, to four, by the way, over the uh, New York Yankees. And have you got over the Brewers' loss on yesterday. Uh, yesterday. No, that's the good thing about baseball games. There's always another one uh, pretty soon. So I'm, I'm not over it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little bitter still. Chicago Cubs, big rivals. You know how I feel about Cubs and Cubs fans with all due respect to Chip Kurtz. But at the end of the day, <laughs> um, it's a new day. The, actually, the, the game got postponed because the Cubs can't afford uh, you know, uh, some covering. So hopefully that'll get made up uh, as soon as possible. So off the way, I guess, till tomorrow uh, for the Brewers to play again. Casey, any big takeaways, or what was your takeaway from opening day? I mean, we didn't have a full slate of games. A lot of folks go in today, too. But uh, anything jump out at you? Uh, Seth Beer, the former uh, uh, Clemson Tiger, I believe it was, right, uh, won the game for the Diamondbacks late last night to kind of finish off uh, the opening day of Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani, pretty good, uh, pretty good. And what else got your attention about opening day in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I watched about a total of 40 minutes of the Braves-Reds. That's pretty much all I could fit in yesterday. My takeaway was Matt Olson did not hit a home run in the first two at-bats. I was a bit disappointed for the Braves. Yeah, Rafael Devers did, though, uh, today. Red Sox are up 4-3 to three now in the uh, top of the sixth against the New York Yankees. Um, and, yes, Austin, the Reds did win, beat the Braves. So. I was worried. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you might be Thank you very much. Uh, a little bit worried. You put together a piece for NBA Slam Poetry today, too. Not that we're going to do it right now, but the is this like a playoff edition? Um, no, this is more of like in totality. You know, it's, it's like a little season recap, um, if you will. And I promise you it's going to deliver. It's not going to be like the, the season finale of The Sopranos where it's like, what? You know, this is, this is going to have some hard-hitting vibes. It's going to have some vibes that you all know. It's going to have some deep-cutting vibes that only a few will know. Um, and we're going to have some laughs, uh, hopefully, along the way. So, yeah, I'm really – this is the hardest day for me when we talk about Fridays here. Most people got a foot in the parking lot. This is my hard day. This is my Monday because I have to go shock your mock, and then I go back-to-back -back with slam poetry. So um, it's a lot of my plate, nothing I can't handle, and you better believe I'm hungry. You're right, man. I mean, it is. Uh, you do have a lot to do on a Friday around here, so we appreciate the efforts, uh, of course. Uh, no duck saving today in the parking lot. No goose stories to tell you about. Gator, haven't seen him, by the way, since uh, a few weeks back. Have you guys seen the Gator? No, and it's not for a lack of effort. I haven't seen them. You know, sometimes apex predators, they just keep to their own devices and uh, don't want to be disturbed. So I haven't seen the Gator, per se. Casey, you seen him? Nope. But dang, do we miss him. 
Yeah, we do. Did yeah. you steal uh, Casey's idea yesterday, this morning on the morning show? Oh, no, we didn't have time for I mean, I, I put it down in the archives, um, and it's in the queue. We'll see what happens. But we were uh, we had a lot of other stuff to talk about today. So, All right. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting visits uh, from several uh, players coming up over the next few days. They've already had visits. We already know, saw the Aiden Hutchinson one earlier this week and several others, too. Um, I don't. I always question this. I know some of your stories, Austin, about the visits to the teams are probably some of your memorable moments of the draft process. Is that correct? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would say so, yeah. <laughs> well, the reason, well, the reason I say it is because I remember hearing some of your stories from, uh, I think, going to Buffalo, right? Brandon Spikes was, was on that visit correct. with you. Tim I'm, Tebow I'm was there, yeah, Brandon Tebow. Spikes and Tim Tebow was there, yeah. And so, like, I, I would just think some of it, maybe it's more about not the team visit, but who you're with, right? And some of the stories there, you, maybe you get to know or do or whoever. Yeah. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of these guys. What I, what I guess I just question is, like, how much is really learned at a visit? Because it's usually not just one guy. I mean, it's, it's usually multiple people. Yeah. How, is there more learned by the prospect about what they might encounter if they're drafted by this team? Or is there more learned by the team that might draft the prospect? Um, yeah, I mean, like, in terms of, of the prospect going there, you know, you, you kind of get a feel for maybe what the team's about. You get to see the locker room and all that stuff. But it's kind of you're in and out. But I, I feel like it helps the team a lot more because keep in mind, if we're talking about prospects going on visits, one would think that these prospects have already talked to the team in some sort of yeah, capacity, yeah. whether it's at a senior bowl, whether it's at a combine, or maybe, you know, some scouts came to that pro day and talked to the individual after. So, like, they already have a pretty good idea of what that prospect is bringing to the table. They've been watching the film, doing the, uh, doing the due diligence. But, like, this visit is kind of like the... The, the last go around, right? Or maybe if an anomaly showed up on film, maybe um, if something came up during the combine or during a, during the pro day that maybe the team was kind of like, oh, let's ask them about that. This is kind of like your final chance um, to get a feel for what you're bringing to the table as a prospect. So I, I would say like it's not the most vital thing. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. Like We hear names like Walker being invited, and I think yeah. Hutchinson's been to Jacksonville. I haven't heard Thibodeau quite yet. I'm not sure if you have or not. Um, yeah, I haven't heard that. So, I think I've heard, uh, I think Neil is coming in here yeah. as well. So, like, the, the fact that you haven't really heard of Thibodeau, I don't know how to feel about that. I would say that airs on the side more of, well, that's not a good sign for Thibodeau going to Jacksonville more than it is a good sign. But it's just, it's kind of the team's, you know, opportunity to get one final look, answer any other questions they may have um, for them to make their decision in terms of how the draft's going to shake out. Yeah, so uh, I guess like what I'm kind of thinking, Evan Neal, by the way, according to Rappaport's here today in Jacksonville, and so I'm assuming there's probably a couple of players in, but what what's the tact with the Jags? Are they really interested in Neal, or is this part of the smokescreen, due diligence? Like, I, you could answer the question anyway, right? I mean, we don't know, but you kind of wonder where the team is looking at this. Like, why is Evan Neal coming in on one of the visits if they're not interested in all, at all? Um, and... I would say, well, they got to be interested in some degree then, maybe in case they trade or mm -hmm. in case they really do want him at number one. Is it a potential smokescreen to say, hey, they, they looked at these guys, these guys, our team's really reading into that? I doubt it. Uh, and what, again, is, is really the purpose of an Evan Neal? How interested could the Jags be? Where I'm a guy who says, 
I really don't think they're that interested in him at all at number one. I think they like him as a prospect. I just don't think of him at number one. But you still got to bring 30 guys in. Well, you don't have to, but you can bring 30 guys in. So it makes sense that Neil and Iquanu and guys like that uh, could be visiting even if the Jags aren't planning on drafting them. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm an NFL team and, and I'm spearheading the operation, whether I'm a head coach or a GM, you know, I'm going to use those 30 visits, and I'm going to turn over every single stone that I can. Evan Neal is a guy who has been linked to Jacksonville a little bit. Now, I think in, in um, the latest of mock drafts, you don't see it as much as you did by the start um, of the mock draft year just because Cam Robinson did get that franchise tag. But a lot of things can happen in this draft. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely minuscule, but somebody could trade with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they could move back a little bit. Evan Neal could be there. Maybe Doug Peterson loves Evan Neal. You know, Doug Peterson is, is a big offensive line guy, one in the trenches guy. You know, I mean, he, the, the whole Lane Johnson thing, like he, he went to bat for Lane Johnson and that was his guy. So Doug Peterson definitely values his offensive lineman. So I'm not really surprised that they, they brought Evan Neal in just to maybe even pick his brain a little more and get a feel from him because arguably he is the best offensive lineman um, in the draft. I think you have anybody at you know the top at their position, and I get it, Iquano's up there too, but if you get anybody in the top two at their position, go ahead and pick their brain a little more and get a feel for them. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Uh, I think that's just part of the due diligence that goes on. Again, I would love to track this, and, and I think every time, every you want to kind of track it. Like, where do the Jags go? Who do they go visit, right? Where are the coaches and GMs or the, the power people in the Jags organization going? And then who do they bring in? And if you did that, like, over the years. Now, one of the hard things for the Jags, for, you know, you do this with the Jags, is they've had so much turnover over the years. There's so many different people involved, so you can do it a bunch of different ways. But, like, say, if you took the Patriots in this kind of exercise and you wanted to kind of map out what they've done and what their trends are, you might have a better inclination of what they might do uh, with the draft. Now, the other difference with a team like the Patriots, Austin, is they're always picking like in the back half of the draft mm. or late in the draft, which puts a lot of different scenarios in play. The Jaguars, well, they're kind of limited in their scenarios when they're at the top of the draft. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, if you're a team like the Patriots who likes to trade, um, who's always keeping teams guessing, then, yeah, I think you have to be a little more tactical of how you use, you know, their thir those 30 visits. When you talk about the Jaguars who have the number one overall pick, realistically, there's probably, I mean, maybe four or five guys that you can fit in that number one overall mold or, or if someone does trade for you, you slide down to two, three, or four, about four or five guys that can fit in that mold. So then, yeah, you, you bring those guys in who could theoretically be on your team or who you could theoretically draft. And then you start deep diving a little more, I think, with some of the second, third, and fourth round guys. You know, you just have to be careful of, of how you use those 30 picks, though, because it's like you can be bringing in seventh rounders and your sixth rounders because, well, they're probably not going to contribute right away. So I always feel like the guys that you bring in are the guys who are close to the top, number one. Maybe the guys who have a couple red flags, whether it's injuries, whether um, you know it's off the field trouble, number two, or just guys that you feel in terms of you know scheme. And that was kind of my thing when I visited Buffalo. They wanted to see if I could play a 3-4 defense. And, and for them, it was more playing a 3-4 big end than it was an outside linebacker. So, you know, in that case, when I was coming out of, of college, I was a little undersized. So they brought me in to kind of see where I was at with my weight, how I felt about playing a big defensive end, and where we can go going forward. So schematically, too, teams can bring some guys in to ask the questions. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Hey, let's uh, take a time out from the football talk and uh, go down to the dugouts. One of the dugouts, 
for the Jacksonville University Dolphins. Chris Hayes, the head coach of the Dolphins, joins us right now on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Just doing a couple of minutes of coach's time as the uh, JU Dolphins and UNF Ospreys play in the River City Rumble this weekend. Six o'clock game tonight. I believe two o'clock on Saturday, one o'clock on Sunday. And I got to believe, Chris, you guys are just uh, can't wait to play some baseball this week after driving to Tallahassee, getting rained out, and then coming back home without playing any. Yeah, that's the nature of the situation. I mean, we just we got to go. Um, forecast didn't look good, but we, you know, it's you never know. If that thing shifted north a little bit, we got we we would have had an opportunity to play. But we did get a chance to to get a, a good practice in. We drove six hours to get a good practice <laughs> on a pretty nice surface. So, um, at least we got something done uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Chris, how's uh, how do you feel about your team? I know you're three and six in the A Sun. Uh, I believe it's eleven and seven overall. What what's um, what do you? What have you gathered so far? Still a long way to go here. As you really jump into the conference schedule, uh, what do you like? Uh, what do you need to get better at with this baseball team? Well, honestly, right now it's it's getting healthy for us. I mean, we've had a lot of moving parts and we've had a lot of injuries, uh, and, and and we're starting to get there. And I like I like the way where we're headed. We've got a little bit of toughness. We're starting to play uh, some pretty clean baseball. You know, we, we, we've put ourselves in a lot of negative situations, just some of the mistakes that we've been making, whether it's whether it's defensively or on the mound or at the plate. And, uh, we've, put, we've put ourselves in some tough situations, but we've responded. And we've played really competitive baseball. So, um, you know, we're, we're headed in the right direction. It is a long way to go. We're not even at the midway point yet. And yeah, it's, um, it's, it's fun, to, fun to, to think about how far we've come and then just how far we have to go. Um, and, you know, we're looking forward to getting on the field with the Ospreys this weekend. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a weekend, super competitive. Um, they're playing really – I guess they just had a big win on Tuesday down in, in Tampa against a really good South Florida team. So, they're playing well. We're playing pretty well. So, it, it should be a fun matchup. Hey, uh, you can probably hear the wind where I am outside. Uh, which way is the wind blowing tonight at the University of North Florida? Well, I don't know. We'll see when we get there. We're still uh, we're still over at John Sessions. Okay. The Philly Confines over here, so we'll get over there soon and see how it is. And uh, no matter what, man, we're just. We just have to, to stay off the barrel and, and make it make the plays when they hit them to us. So. Yeah, how much do you lean on, especially like what you're saying, you know, getting healthier, you know it's a long season. I mean, there are some guys that played last year that don't have, you don't have to tell them that you know it's a long season because of what you guys did late in the year as you got better and better, um, especially in that conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, we've got 21 new players on our team this year. So there's a lot of acclimation to college baseball and how long the season is. I mean, half the guys – that are brand new or are freshmen. So um, we're now getting into a, a realm of, of a season that they've never even seen from a high school standpoint. And um, so, yeah, it's just stay the course, continue to prepare, uh, continue to take care of your body, pay attention to nutrition, pay attention to your sleep habits, but, you know, know what you're putting in your body um, and, and keep working out in the weight room and, and been preparing on the field. You know, and we just continue to repeat that over and over and over again. It gets a little boring, honestly, at times when you when you talk about it. But you gotta love it. Okay? You gotta love to compete. You gotta love to prepare um, for that that moment of of euphoria at the end of the season when we can't put it all together and, and end up dog piling at the end of the day. Given your health, uh, what uh, you know, and, and turn, not your health, but the team's health, and that's been <laughs> trying to get that back on track. If if you can play your style of ball and if you could envision what this team should look like wants to look like what are what is that what's your strengths what's this team going to be about when fully healthy and clicking on all cylinders 
Well, I think it's a traditional it's a traditional JU Jacksonville University baseball style. I mean, it's a it's an execution style game. We're going to attack on the mound. It's an attack attack oriented in every phase. I mean, we play at John Sessions. It's such a big yard. Um, we've got to be able to play very clean and efficient defense. We've got to be able to run a little bit and be athletic in the outfield. Um, and then we've got to be able to pitch, and we got we can't put people on base for free. We can't walk too many guys. We can't hit guys. Uh, we've got to attack a, in every phase. And once we get to that point and we get healthy and we're firing on all cylinders, that's what you're going to see. I mean, it's kind of a throwback, old school, National League style, where you got guys that can run, steal bases, hit and run, bunt, um, put pressure on people. And that's kind of the style that we thrive in. Uh, we've got some guys in the middle that can bang it around and, and hit it on the other side of the wall. But um, for us, especially playing the majority of our games at, at John Sessions, we've got to have a, a very efficient style of offense instead of just a bunch of guys that can, that can hit a bunch of fly balls. So um, that's kind of who we are and what we are. Um, and we're getting closer and closer to it. I think we are. And, and we'll hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see more of it this weekend. Hard-nosed, competitive, and a bunch of gamers. Uh, that's a JU uh, baseball team that represents uh, their head coach, Chris Hayes. Chris, uh, good luck this weekend, 6 o'clock tonight, 2 o'clock tomorrow, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Should be fun, uh, the Ospreys and the JU Dolphins. Good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate it, Brent. Talk to you soon. You bet. Uh, that's Chris Hayes, JU Dolphins uh, baseball coach. And we'll have Tim Parenton on in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Get the uh, temperature of that one coming into play. By the way, that one's at the uh, University of North Florida. Softball and uh, baseball playing against each other this weekend. Uh, the softball team teams are at JU. So uh, you can go to either campus and catch some softball and baseball between the two uh, city rivals here in Jacksonville, UNF and Jacksonville University. When we come back, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. The head of the USC, Dana White, back in Jacksonville, scheduled to join us when we return on ESPN 690. We live in a world where NFL quarterbacks get all the credit. You can draw up a play. You can draw up a perfect play. But if you don't have the guy that can throw the ball accurately and, and make the right decisions, we've seen that with Tampa in the past. They went out and they got Tom Brady because they needed that guy. They needed somebody that can make the right decision. So Tom gets the credit because he's the quarterback, just like uh, Patrick Mahomes, just like Aaron Rodgers, just like Josh Allen. They all get a lot of credit. They all get all the accolades, and they all get all the money, and that's because they're the most important position on the field. Hmm. I don't know who that was. That was the boy Rob Ninkovich. Ah, Rob Ninkovich. Man, you outside. These are tough, man. These are The most New sometimes. England name of all time. <laughs> These are yeah, some deep cuts sometimes now. Uh, that you're finding and searching as everybody takes some break before the uh, draft, right? Rumor <laughs> has it that when Rob Nikovich was born, the doctor said he was eight pounds, six ounces, and future New England Patriot on it. <laughs> hey, they say that about every kid now. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> and their name is Brady. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you, too. That is like a real thing. Like, I've never thought of naming my kid after, like, an athlete. Like, I never thought of that. We didn't really name the kids after anything in particular just like hey okay we like the name ty and kaylee it, it that's how it happened but um and i understand people name after family members and stuff but there are so many people we do know it, back home in new england that really do name their kid after tom brady yeah yeah but they don't name him tom they name him brady yeah <laughs> it's insane <laughs> see if you're gonna name i mean i guess you could pick either one sure. if you could name your kid 
after an athlete? What would it be? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I mean, Giannis is, is kind of aggressive. <laughs> that's aggressive. Um, Ja is just, you know, it is what it is. Um, I mean, do I go Jordan with it? I might have to go Jordan. I Jordan's mean, if cool. you're going to, if you're going to name your, your kid, you might as well name him after the goat and that's Jordan. So yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that would be good. I yeah. like that. Casey, uh, you got one? Casey, you might be next on the list. I mean, I don't know what's, what Austin's planning. I, I can tell you this. I'm not planning anything. So. Uh, Darnold? Probably going to have to pass on Darnold. Uh, Sam, yes. If, if I had to, probably go Jeter. Jeter. Ooh. Jeter Kurtz. Dude, hey, that's a... Uh, it's okay. That kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit. Jeter little bit. Kurtz? You know what's crazy? I think it could be anything. Is it the... Uh, that is a good name, actually. That's really good. I like that. I, I vote for that even though I hate the Yankees. Yeah. You know, that's pretty good. I wonder Yankees, if Amanda's listening. Well, probably four to three. And Casey, take, take it from a naming expert like I am. Um, since your last name is Kurtz and that's one syllable, usually what you want to do is go with like two syllables then for the first name. You know what I'm saying? Jeter. So it flows. Yeah. yeah so I like Jeter that. Kurtz. So like for my instance, for, for my example, my son's name is Ronan. So Ronan Lane. It, it kind of just flows a little better. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah. That's good advice. That's why, hey, I, I went the opposite. Yep. Martin O, so I went Todd. Exactly. There's nothing wrong uh, with that. Well, is sorry, it, Kaylee. But, but it's Tyler, though, right? Or is it just Ty? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. See? <laughs> I was trying to play this off in a different way. It's all good. Good luck. Um, by the way, Jeter is a uh, Casey. Isn't it Jeter Downs? Is, is that his name, the kid for the Red Sox prospect? Correct. Currently oh, playing yeah. in Jacksonville right now for the uh, oh, yeah. Red Sox team. So how bizarre is that, right? Obviously, they're Yankees fans. They love Jeter, and he ends up getting drafted by the Red Sox. It's <laughs> <laughs> unlucky, I mean, but, you I know. I haven't read that story. i got to believe that's the story, though. It, it, yeah. is, it is the story, It is yes. the story, yeah. He okay. bats like him, too. If you watch him hit, if you go out uh, to the stadium and watch him play in the next couple of days while they're playing the shrimp, he bats with, like, the toe up in the air and stuff, just like him. Oh, really? Uh, that's good stuff. That's cool. Uh, I, I can't hate on Jeter. I, I hate on the Yankees, but I can't hate on Jeter. Uh, he's cool. So, uh, Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Hey, UFC 273, scheduled to have Dana White on in just a couple moments. Uh, Austin, yeah, you're our expert. You're mm -hmm. our fighter. Mm -hmm. If we get in a fight, you're the guy we throw out there first. Let's go. Um, what's special about this card and what has now become a regular occurrence here in Jacksonville, and this all started in the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, as really the first event yeah. back in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, all eyes were, were kind of on the UFC because when, when the pandemic hit and COVID-19 was running rampant, um, UFC seemed to be the ones that were willing to take the risk and kind of dip their toes in the pool first. Um, the problem with that was, though, is that they're headquartered, obviously, in Las Vegas, the fight mecca of the world, and the, the state of Nevada just, you know, they weren't playing ball with Dana White. And, you know, Dana White, he's, he's a guy who... Um, if he sets his mind something come hell or high water, he's going to try to get it done. Even to the point where he built his own fight island due to COVID-19 so he could take his fighters to the fight island um, and fight over there. And, and that was in Yaz Island. But uh, the, the, the very first fight after the, the pandemic took place in Jacksonville, Florida. And that was much due to, you know, Lenny Curry coming out and saying that he could host it here. Um, it was met with a lot of excitement, but also a lot of criticism. Right. And I think the first one out of the gate, especially we're talking about COVID-19, uh, will always face some criticism um, in reflection. Uh, in hindsight, it, it went off without a hitch. I mean, there was one fighter I remember who, who did, um, you know, contract COVID um, and was taken off the card. But everybody else was able to fight and it ended up being a, a, a hell um, of, of a fight card. 
And then since that moment, Dana White, we've had him on the show a couple times, he's told us that, you know, Jacksonville kind of um, did him a favor. So in return, now he's going to make Jacksonville every once in a while, they're going to come back here and they're going to put on great fights. And, and that's the point of it is, you know, I mean, there, there, there's other cities like Columbus just had their UFC event. And, and as we go back to a sense of normalcy, you'll see more and more cities get opportunities to host UFC events. But the difference between what Jacksonville's got going for it now and maybe like what a city of like Columbus has going for it, Jacksonville's hosting the pay-per-views, right? And, and when you look at these pay-per-views, you look at these cards, these are, these are fighters from all around the world that are represented. You know, whether it's China, whether it's Brazil, um, people are coming from around the world to check these fights out. And, and we saw it last time, Brent, when we were here, uh, you know, checking out the fights for the UFC card. I mean, Jake Paul was in the crowd. You know, everybody's – I think Tom Brady might have been uh, in Jacksonville as well. I hope Blaine Gabbert was with him. I hope Blaine Gabbert was showing him a good time uh, around the city of Jacksonville. But it, it, it's, it's great for the city because it kind of provides a, hey, it, it's the cool place to be. Right, and anytime that you can be the cool place to be um, in a city that has cities like my, in a state that has cities like Miami, uh, cities like Orlando, and cities like Tampa, Jacksonville sticking out above the rest, and it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, and I think this one was supposed to. This was initially a fight that was in New York, Austin. Yeah, and then moved to Jacksonville. So um, uh, it's it's part of now the the. I would say the calendar and destination of UFC, but it's also part of the sports scene in Jacksonville yeah. that UFC is is here and coming back. Yeah. And this isn't like a one-time, two-time, three-time thing. So I think that part's uh, pretty pretty interesting. Um, here's what, Casey, you let me know. We're going to produce on on the on the fly. Dana White uh, is scheduled to join us. He, he's going to join us now a couple minutes later than anticipated, around 3:45. We can break here, Casey, if you want, just so we don't get caught in the middle of one. Or we can keep it here. It's up to you. You make the call. You're the boss of the show. We can just stay here. All right. Oh, stay okay. here. Um, then let me keep asking you about this uh, while we're on. Let's get th use this time right here, Austin, to go a little deeper into this card. Yeah. And, and obviously, you've talked a lot about the headline fight, but give us a couple of other ones. Uh, to keep an eye on tomorrow because it's a big card. Yeah, so, you know, th this is an interesting card where it's like, all right, usually on a pay-per-view card, you got maybe one or two fights that are like, okay, these are like the must-see fights. But if you look at this card from top to bottom, um, it's a barn burner. And, and truth be told, and listen, I I'm a big Alexander Volkanovsky fan. He's got a tough test ahead of him against the Korean Zombie. But if you look at the third fight on the main card, and I'm talking about Gilbert Burns taking on Hazmat, that, to me, is going to be the fight that everyone's talking about. Because to be successful in, in the UFC, um, if, if you're running it, you have to have what we like to call the hype trains, right? And then the hype trains are just the guys, like the, the future prospects, the guys that everybody's talking about, um, the, the guys that people are going to tune in and watch. And right now, I would say, you know, ha Hazmat is probably the biggest guy in terms of a hype train that I've ever seen. And this is bigger than Conor McGregor. This is bigger than Patty Pimblett. This is bigger than when Darren Till was coming up. He is the biggest hype train um, ever, I think. And the reason why I say that is because every one of his fights, he's just completely dominated. He, and with all due respect to his opponents, but he makes those guys look like, you know, the, the amateurs per se. Um, I, I think in, in his last three fights or four fights, he's only absorbed one significant strike. That's ridiculous. In four fights to only absorb one significant strike, 
So this is a guy who everybody is talking about, and he's taking a game opponent right now who I think is number two in the world in Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is no slouch. Gilbert Burns is is a former jiu-jitsu world champion, and he was literally inches away from knocking out Kamar Usman. And he's taking on the biggest hype train right now in the UFC. So even though that's not getting a lot of love just because, you know, it's not for a belt or anything, it is for title contention going forward. But that's the fight I'm really excited for. Yeah, it's uh, good stuff. Um, How much has... Where's the UFC at, man? You live in this world. You live in the MMA world. You're climbing that ladder. You've been uh, outstanding the last uh, couple of years, and, and hopefully maybe a phone call away, really, yeah. from uh, jumping into the fray in the UFC. Uh, but, like, where, from a casual standpoint, I ask you this question a lot about, like, AEW, right? Or, or like, the wrestling world versus, like, WWE. But the MMA, I mean, UFC is, is, is in a world of its own. Yeah. Yeah, and we went through yeah. this phase. Sorry to interrupt. No. But we went through this phase. Like it was like, boom, here it is, and dang, it's growing. And like, I just wonder at some point, do you reach like this plateau a little bit? Or, and I want to ask Dana this actually when he comes on with us. Like, did like uh, starting up before everybody else? Did the last couple of years through the pandemic? Did those fights, the Fight Island, the everything else? Did it boost the sport some? From your perspective, and I don't know the dollars and rating side of it. Yeah. From your perspective. Did that boost the sport some more? Have we reached a plateau? And that's not a negative thing, by the way. It's okay to plateau and stay in a certain spot. Mm-hmm. A lot of sports do that. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I get what you're saying from the casual fan in terms of reaching a plateau. But that's the beauty about fighting is that new stars come all the time. And when we talk about like what the UFC has right now, and keep in mind, Conor McGregor hasn't fought in a while, right? Like any casual fan is going to know who Conor McGregor is. But then if you look back a couple weeks ago, the UFC was in London. Um, You know, it was the first time in London in a long time because, once again, with the pandemic and everything, they were kind of left to their own devices of keeping things, you know, in, in the U.S. or else going to Fight Island. That fight card in London, like, absolutely blew the doors off. I mean, I think, like, Dana White gave out, like, the, the record amount of performance bonuses just because the energy in that arena was so crazy. And when you see how, how fans in London are, are supporting their own, like a, like a Patty Pimblett, like a Tom Aspinall, who now is in heavyweight title contention of being maybe the next big thing in the heavyweight division, um, and, and, and you have crazy knockouts from their own, people gravitate towards that. So as long as the UFC can keep producing stars, and they have them, you know, they, they have one in style bender. Um, they, they, they have one, I think, in, in Hazmat right now. So as long as they, they can keep producing stars and they keep on winning, eventually the casual fans will know who they are and will tune in as well. Now, is it to the level of a Conor McGregor? We may never see another Conor McGregor again, right? Coming from, you know, the, 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 the fighting country of Ireland, his style of knocking people out, the attitude, the swagger. But just because we don't have a Conor McGregor doesn't mean we can't have some of the most dominant champions of all time. And I think that's going to even mean more because I remember back a couple decades ago when we were talking about guys like Chuck Liddell, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre. Not necessarily the most, you know, swaggerless, you know, swagger guys in terms of the microphone skills, but they had this skill set. And that's what we're seeing now, I think, in the new era of the UFC. We're seeing guys who are well-rounded everywhere and put on great performances. And that's what fans, I think, eventually are going to want to see more than anything. Yeah, Brett Martin, also and Casey Kurtz. You know, we asked this question in sports a lot. You just said something that's interesting. Obviously, Conor McGregor transcends the sport of UFC mm-hmm. on, for a lot of different reasons. He gets people, like the casual people, he pokes the bear a little bit. He's like, all right, I'm going to pay attention this weekend, right? So that's what he does. So it is a little bit different with McGregor. But I think we ask this question a lot in sports in general. It's like, all right, will we ever have another Jordan-esque 
Well, we have another Tiger, mm -hmm. right? Well, we have these guys. And I think what's a little interesting about the McGregor situation is I'm not sure from a skill set fighting standpoint, like he's in the breath of those guys. But what he did to the sport and helped transcend the sport when he does enter the cage, that's a unique gift, mm -hmm. right? And especially in this sport, will we have somebody like that I gotta believe somebody like that comes along again. Even Rousey was able to do that, right? Rousey could, yeah. could get the masses out and get the casual fan out. I gotta believe that's coming down the road sooner than later again in the MMA. So it, it could, yeah, it could definitely come around. I mean, a, a big name right now is Patty Pimblett. We talked about him a couple times on the show. Um, opening he, cards. Yeah, <laughs> you know, opening cards for sure. But he's a big name because he does have that swagger. He has that uh, the accent. Uh, you know, he's he's from London or he's from England. I don't think he's from. He might be from Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken. But like the, that entire country rallies behind him. And that's what the UFC needs. You know, it's no knock on the United States, but, you know, we've had one of the greatest fighters of all time in John Jones. Now, John Jones has been in some trouble and everything, and I think due to that and other circumstances, in terms of the fan base, you don't see fans rallying behind John Jones like you do with Con Conor McGregor, L like you see with a Patty Pim you know, Pimblet. Um, that's what needs to happen. I think if you keep creating more stars that are around the globe, like a style bender like we've seen, um, you know, those fans are going to ride behind them. There's always going to be a demand, Brent, for the UFC here in the United States. But you talk about a country that has so much in football and NBA and things. That's what the U.S. really needs is, is a fighter to rally behind, you know, a fighter to rally behind. And I'm not sure if they've had that in a while. So um, hopefully there's somebody out there that can kind of take that mantle, um, you know, and put MMA in this country on just a different level all completely. I mean, there's a lot of good fighters out there, but none I would call the Conor McGregor type level. Yeah, that's a really good call. We ask that a lot, right? We ask that in other sports like tennis. Yeah. Like when's that guy coming along from the United States? Yeah. Now that the Williams sisters are out, when's that coming along in tennis and, and, and on the women's side? And so, like, Coco Goff, we thought maybe she could be, and maybe she still can be. But I think that's an interesting part of it is, you know, when will the United States have that kind of star? But the flip side from a sports standpoint, if I'm Dana White, right, if, if you're the USC, the globalization of this sport seems to me, Austin, like better than ever before. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's the way I – like, I look at golf like that. Like, people think golf in the United States is one thing, but people don't understand the reaches of golf right now on a global level all over the place. And I get the feeling USC is trending in a similar direction that way. And that's exactly what it is. You know, I mean, we, we always talk about soccer fandom, you know, um, you know, all, all over the world, like how intense that gets. I mean, I saw that same soccer fandom when it was in London, you know, for the UFC event. Like, the, the, those fans went absolutely ballistic. And, and you see that in Australia when they have cards there. And, and that's what the UFC has going for it, right? I'm, uh, as these fighters get better and better and from, from all over the world, representing country after country after country, well, then those countries in turn are going to rally behind those fighters and the name's going to grow. So, yeah, that's what the UFC probably has going for it more than anything. Um, is like especially in combat sports where the best are always going to fight the best in terms of you know and we got boxing it's like oh, I might fight this guy in three years when he's out of his prime we'll see you know talk to my agent no I mean the, the best of, of each country are fighting the best and and fans love to see that so I think they're gonna be doing just fine um, regardless if Conor McGregor is gonna fight or not.
Yeah, we'll uh, keep talking UFC here as Dana White, uh, president of the UFC, is scheduled to join us as UFC 273 is in Jacksonville. Uh, coming up tomorrow night, we'll all be there from Action Sports Shacks uh, on ESPN 690. Casey will be there. Austin will be there. I will be there as well. So we'll have you covered, by the way, on the TV side. It's uh, 1030 on Fox 30, 1130 on CBS 47 with Action Sports Shacks primetime. Uh, we're actually doing a special uh, newscast tomorrow at 7 o'clock. I'll be live from uh, UFC 273 down there at the arena. So uh, a lot of coverage this weekend of UFC in Jacksonville where it's found a home uh, for the last few years, and I, I would project that it will continue to find a home uh, in Jacksonville moving forward because it's been very successful. Uh, there are a lot of diehard fans around uh, UFC in this area, and we run into them a little bit. Actually, down at Tivoli's House of Cards, there are a couple of guys like, man, they, he gets like, there's this one guy that comes in, he opens like, the UFC cards, and, and he's also like front row, you know, wherever you can get the ticket, boom, right there he's going to be there for UFC 273 and the other ones that have already gone on here. So um, that will tell you the interest level. And uh, it should be a pretty good Saturday night. It's been a good week so far for the UFC in Jacksonville. While we await Dana White to uh, call in uh, here on ESPN 690, give you an update on uh, the Masters right now as Tiger Woods now is in a situation where he has to fight to make the cut. Danny Willett, former Masters champ, haven't heard his name since he won the green jacket. He's in the lead at four under par. Charles Schwartzel in the clubhouse at three under par. Sung J.M. three under. Hideki Matsuyama, last year's champ, now three under par. He's three under through six today. Harold Varner the third. He's played good golf. Dustin Johnson, they are two under in that group. So we'll continue to keep you posted. Meanwhile, Tiger Woods uh, tied with Billy Horschel at three over par for the tournament. He's four over through seven holes. So he's already made uh, four bogeys on the day and needs to make up some ground uh, to have himself uh, not only in the weekend but maybe even in the mix on Saturday and Sunday. That's the latest uh, from the world of golf. Casey, which, have, you, have you been watching Tiger? Have you seen what's been going on with him? Not today, no. Okay. Well, what happened, I saw the early going. Uh, he had a really hit a couple poor iron shots on the opening uh, six holes, seven holes. Uh, he got in a sand trap on one's not a bad but like if you bogey one it's like it happens mm. but you got to be in good position off the tee he wasn't so he bogeyed there uh hit it in the bunker on two so it's really just not sharp he really rescued that round yesterday tiger did too so like it wasn't like he played awesome but he really fought and battled and 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 gave it a red number at yeah. the end of the day conditions are much harder this afternoon uh at augusta so uh, i think uh hey listen Making the cut is still a, a success story for Tiger Woods this weekend, so it's something we'll follow over the next uh, 11 holes or so. Red Sox beating the Yankees 4-3 to three in the top of the eighth, uh, and if you're a White Sox fan, beating the Tigers 3-1 to one with some baseball scores. Orioles and Rays 0-0 uh, zero, zero, uh, in the second inning. Oh, so there's, Casey. There's your Rays, Casey. They better beat the Orioles, right? They better, yeah. I'm watching. <laughs> is it on right now? Yeah. I like your style. Well done. Did you see, by the way, uh, and you know this, Casey, we have four locals from the UNF and JU roster on the Orioles roster. Yeah, I, I did know that, yes. Isn't that crazy? It's super ironic. Yeah, all on the same team. What's the roster? It's 28, right? Correct. Yeah, so four out of 28 yeah. played college baseball at JU and UNF on the Orioles roster. DJ Stewart, right, is one of those. Austin mm -hmm. Hayes, yep. uh, Brian Adams. Who am I missing in that? Uh, Brian Baker. Brian I'm sorry, Adams, Brian I think, Baker. sings that song. <laughs> Brian, Brian Adams did Summer of 69. Summer of 69. You better yeah. believe it. And um, 
What's right. my man's name? The starting pitcher. Um, Norman? No. Um, gosh, I can't think of it either. We'll get it, though. <laughs> but but you're right. But four of them out of 28. Yeah, no, you're, isn't it Mike Bauman? Bauman. Bauman, that's right. Yep, you're right. Look at me go. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I'm checking the, the World Series out now for the the Baltimore Orioles to win the whole thing because I might put some money down because if, if we got good. a bunch of ja well if we got a bunch of Jacksonville natives on there Brent I like your chances <laughs> not good apparently Vegas doesn't like the chances though okay no I don't think they would like yeah it. okay 1,250 to 1 yeah, yeah. not good yeah. Uh, yeah not good at all so um, I've seen worse uh, hey, news out of the NFL, if you just jump in with us uh, with the Jaguars, there's really not a lot of news out of the NFL right now. That's one of the stories. Uh, but the uh, the Jags are entertaining Evan Neal today, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. And while we have a moment to talk about that, we did a little bit earlier, Austin. Do you really think Aquanu and Neal are going to be like, I don't know, name your preeminent uh, tackles in the game, right? Like okay. staples for 12 years. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they're that kind of talents or have – is this just not a top-heavy enough draft where we see the elite, elite players, including quarterbacks, and so we shove those guys to – well, I think those guys can be elite because they can move, they're athletic, and they're big. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at Evan Neal, you're talking about a guy that comes from a, a pretty great pre pedigree, you know, coming from Alabama, having a lot of success – against SEC-type talent. So, yeah, I mean, I consider and say I think that they could be special, but it is so hard to tell. You know, I mean, I think where they sit right now with Aquanu and Evan Neal, I mean, you know, it, it reminds me, and I don't want to say this in terms of, of skill level, but it reminds me in terms of how the draft is kind of being treated, like it was with Eric Fisher and then Luke Jokel. Now, I think um, Aquanu and Evan Neal are, are way better than Eric Fisher and... and um, you know, I already forgot his name. Uh, the guy from Texas A&M who the Luke Joko. Yeah, yeah, who the Luke Joko who the Jaguars bought. Um, I think right now they're already better than where they were when they started out, you know, coming to the league. So I think they have that going for them. But it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird draft in the terms of there is a lot of wide receiver depth. Maybe we can't name the best wide receiver. We can't name the best quarterback. All we probably know for sure is that we can name, well, and maybe this is debatable too. You, you can name the best safety. Right, but then that guy out of Georgia now is getting all the love because Hamilton kind of ran a, a slow 40-yard dash, and you know how some teams out there, not all teams, but some teams feel about the 40-yard dash. So it, it, it's hard to find just that, that once-in-a-generational type talent at number one overall. But I think that when you talk about offensive linemen who do have a pedigree, who put out good film, they're kind of the safe picks, right? Like when Panay Sewell yeah. was coming out of the draft, like he may have been the safest pick. Like, yeah, Jamar Chase was, okay, we'll see. He hasn't played in the year. Let's wait back and see what happens. But, like, you got the sense that when the Lions drafted Panay Sewell, they knew what they were getting. And, and I think football fans knew what they were getting as well. I think with a guy like Evan Neal and a guy like Aquanu, I think you have a good idea of what you're going to get with those guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call, too. I also think, Austin, that some of this is related to the fact that uh, you just – it's people don't know how to actually say what a good offensive lineman looks like. Like we're all guilty of. There's no stats involved, right? Mm. And so you can look at a guy, and sure, people are going to say beauty in the eye of the beholder. But how do I project that as like a, from a fan or media or even an analysis standpoint? Unless you're really in the weeds on it from an offensive line position, or like you going against a guy like that. So 
I just think it comes with a little bit of territory. Like, all right, I'm going to go with, like, to your point, the, the big guy, safe guy, played at Alabama. Uh, everybody's talking about him. Not a lot of bad things coming out about him. I think this guy could be a 10-, 12-year perennial, like, pro bowler. Mm-hmm. And, listen, I can't fault any organization for taking a guy if they think that guy is it. If you can get a 10-year perennial pro bowler, um, then – I think uh, you're cool. Why not? It doesn't matter what position you can get him at. You can't play two quarterbacks at that spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. you can do it at most position. Yeah, well, um, keep in mind that Brian Anger was drafted in the third round, and I think he's been a couple of Pro Bowls, and nobody cares. <laughs> That's true. No one cares. Hey, hey Casey, uh, working back and forth with Dana White and his schedule with the weigh-in start and suit everything. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a time out here in Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, some of these things have to be fluid. No problem here. We'll get Dana White on. We continue to talk a little UFC 273, but we can uh, go on with some other sports talk as well. Uh, we have to pay the bills first, though. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on a Friday here in Jacksonville. And uh, we will uh, catch up with Dana White before the end of the show for sure. We'll be back. We talk a little more baseball, football, and shock your mock on ESPN 690. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.